welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Hey there, welcome to episode 220 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life, formerly the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. I have a super exciting episode for you today. Today, we are continuing on with our having an amazing 2023 series of interviews with amazing physician coaches. I love doing these. These interviews are so much fun for me. And I think when you get a couple of physician coaches in a room, magic happens because we start bouncing off each other's ideas. So I was just joking as we wrapped up this interview is we go deep on this one. We hit some really, really important topics. So today I have Dr. Sunny Smith and Dr. Christy Angevine joining me. Both are physician coaches, both are well-known in their fields. And we talk about some really core important things about being a physician and intentionally crafting what you want your coming year to look like and intentionally crafting change, not just weight and eating. Of course, you can use it for that, but also just in living our best lives. So let's get going to the episode. I hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the show, Christy and Sunny. I'm super excited to have you guys here. Super excited you guys decided to wake up early on a Friday morning when you absolutely didn't have to, to accommodate my schedule so that we could do this. Can you guys introduce yourself for everybody listening? Christy, why don't you go first? So I'm Christy Angevine. I'm an OBGYN turned life coach. I live in Central Oregon and I run Habits on Purpose, my podcast and my business. I coach physicians and high achievers on designing intentional habits. So this is kind of a perfect thing to bring up for what we're going to talk about today. I've got two kids and I think that's about all. Awesome. Sunny. Hello. I'm Dr. Sunny Smith. I spent my academic career as a family physician and I now run Empowering Women Physicians coaching program. I am from San Diego historically where I spent my academic career and now I'm spending much of my time in Puerto Rico. Lovely. My Northern Canadian heart, anytime people are on where they're in a really sunny, warm location, I'm like, oh... Yeah, with all these storms, these terrible, terrible storms, life-threatening storms, people are saying San Diego is the warmest place in the United States, which is where I am right now and recording this from. And I was like, um, they're obviously not thinking of Puerto Rico, which is obviously also the United States because it's much warmer there right now than San Diego. I have a sweater on, as you can see. (laughs) Yeah. So today we are talking about New Year's and specifically about how you guys as coaches approach New Year's traditions, goal settings, rituals, 
both in your own lives and how you help other physicians and the people that you coach approach the New Year's. Because as we all know, resolutions are rampant. And I think even people when they're like, oh, I don't want to do resolutions, there's this piece probably in the back of their brain where there's still kind of some resolutions happening that might not be in the nicest form for them. Sunny, why don't you start on how are you approaching this year as a new year? That's a really good and obviously timely question. (laughs) When I wrapped my fall coaching program, I looked at the timeline and it was the week of Christmas and Hanukkah. And I thought, am I really just going to let this week go by and do administrative stuff and wrap up our program? Or am I going to take this time to say, I mean, this really is your one and only precious life. And let's talk about New Year's and let's talk about the transition. Let's talk about the momentum because the world is sort of ready or open and available for people to come back and say, hey, things are going to be different now. And so if ever there's a time that women physicians are going to take the momentum and movement to create some kind of real change in their life, I think this is a very beautiful opportunity for us to do that. And so we did just spend the past week with people instead of like, what would we do? You said, how do you approach it? This is how we really approached it. I mean, there's a beautiful book called The Gap in the Gain that I'm sure you two have likely read or are familiar with. But I think that concept, which is to really see the progress you have made, you learn to walk, you learn to talk, you went to school, you read, you write, you became a physician, you did all these things. And if you really look at your journey, your life journey as a hero's journey, where you're overcoming all these obstacles and you're doing all of these things. And the women that I did this with, they were like, oh no, I don't really have anything that special. So could you coach me on this? And then they're like, one of them like overcame the Colombian cartel during medical school. And one of them, like everyone has a story. And so just looking at how far you've come and then carrying on your journey to the next chapter. My whole life is a foundation for what comes next. And when the hero comes back, right, from their journey, they come back always. They had to slay all kinds of dragons and like there were obstacles and then there were huge obstacles. Like Moana, there was like little obstacles and then she had to like kill Tafiti or whatever she did there. The obstacles get bigger and bigger, right? Until you finally overcome something big. And then you come back to the village and you share what you've learned with everyone. And so I feel like if we look at what have we learned so far, if we had to tell those behind us or our colleagues or our friends, what would we share with what we've gone through? Our personal hard-earned journeys, this is how wisdom is passed down. And then you basically begin a new chapter. That's how I did it with my people. And I think for me as well, this year has been a year of loss and tragedy and reminders just how very, very precious life is. And so just approaching the new year with that idea that this really, no joke, is the one and only precious life you get. And it is an absolute gift. And anytime it's gone or someone close to you is gone or it's threatened, we'll wish we hadn't taken it for granted. That's my approach currently. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful approach and obviously means a lot to you with what you've been through this past year. You know, it's really interesting how easy it is for us to forget that it's a one precious life, right? Yeah. Even if I think of myself this week, which we were just talking before we started recording, has been a really busy week because I'm solo in the office and stuff and everything's gone fine. But it's this concept of, okay, work gets done. 
because it is prioritized over anything else. Right. And so, you know, this one precious life for this week, I've shown up and really worked and served. But it's very easy as physicians for every week to be that, like where we show up and we work and we serve and we forget about the piece of us in that. For me, it's just this week and then I'm back to my normal life. I really like that. I also like the Moana reference. And as a mother of daughters, I was like, oh, let me tell you exactly what happened to Moana. <laughs> what happened to Tafiti and Molly and all the things? <laughs> she didn't kill anybody. She put the heart back in Tafiti. I was using the male analogy when they go out and kill things. She put the heart in Tafiti. That's a much better way to look at it. <laughs> We're going to put the heart back in us. What if we just do that, right? Because I think medicine took it out of us often. Let's just put it back. That's beautiful. <laughs> Imagine that if that was just your goal for this year. Just put the heart back in yourself mm-hmm. and kind of come back to that for the year. That would be amazing. We were actually talking about very similar stuff in my coaching group last night about how much the culture of medicine has kind of created assumptions about what we will do. And it came up specifically about the unpaid type of work, like answering messages and stuff that are required, but not compensated and expectations with that. And just talking around that culture of like what we will do. And then we keep doing it because it's the culture we were raised in and it's what you're told you had to do. And what we were talking about is kind of like, what if you take back and decide what you will do? And when there's problems that arise or where there's a mismatch between what you think is appropriate and what the expectations are or what the culture has always been, that gives you a place to be like, how can I problem solve this? How can I create change that honors the boundaries that I want to have in my own life and also the patient care gets done and the people who are sick gets done, but it doesn't leave me where I'm feeling rushed through every single day. Anyways, that's a bit of a side shoot. But Christy, how do you approach the new year? I love hearing what both of you said. And Sunny, thank you for sharing that piece because I know this year really has been filled with a lot of those dark in-your-face reminders of the fact that things are so unpredictable in terms of the quality and the quantity of the days that we have. So it's just really good to hear you both comment on those things. I feel like my approach to the new year, it's not a standard thing every year. Like what I've done in the past and what I do now for myself and what I do with my clients, I sense it's going to be evolving. And what I do now is very similar. It sounds like what Sunny's done a bit. My coach and I were just talking about this the other day in terms of refining an approach. My approach is basically a two-phase approach. It's a look back and a look ahead. But there's a very specific thing in the look back That is a little bit of that hero's journey of like, how can I on purpose look for things that do show progress? And the way I do it isn't specifically hero's journey, but what I do is, and I haven't done it yet. I'm looking at my schedule. I'm like, okay, so where can I actually calendar and carve out time that I can sit down and deliberately use this time to look back? And I write a lot. So I'm going to look back on journals from the last year or two and just see the things that I don't remember writing. Since I have shifted who I am, some of the things that I wrote down a year or two ago are going to seem like someone else wrote them. So I want to look back on those. Before I do, I want to know what I'm looking for. So I'm basically looking for growth. Was I a person who was freaked out and stressed out about something that now I'm on the other side of and I have a totally different perspective? So I'm looking back for where are those things where the Christy Angevine of 2020 or 2021 struggled and like fretted and worried. And how did I grow? Where did I show courage? Where did I show resilience? Where did I show grit to get through things that at the time I maybe couldn't see because I was so in the jar, you know, so to speak. 
I'm going to be looking back for where did I grow? Going to be very careful to cherry pick the metrics that I use to measure that growth. And when I was talking about my coach, she was saying that she was like, you know, for people who the money in their bank account brings them so much joy when they look at that number, that's a great metric for them. For the people who it doesn't, that's not the greatest metric to use. But if they've perhaps deepened their connection with their partner, that's a beautiful metric to use. I haven't decided my metrics yet. I'm going to kind of look back and see. But I think for me, what I do with my clients is I have them look back and see where did they grow? Where did they learn? And the two questions I'd love to ask is, how was I resourceful? And what were my biggest insights? What did my growth journey show me about who I am? And then the second phase that I like to do is like the look ahead is what do I want the direction of my growth to be going forward? What do I want that to be? Maybe not something super specific in terms of like a quality I want to become an expert on, but what general direction do I want to go? And I love that Sunny said, now's the time for looking ahead and being like, okay, there are changes that we want to see. And if that direction is in the direction of more agency and autonomy and a better ability to have integrity of patient care, beautiful. How can you have that as your direction and then flesh it out and make it really, really concrete under the umbrella of the direction that you want to go? So that's what I do for myself. And that's what I guide my clients through. But I will say this to be as the elephant in the room when we talked about sort of the rituals that we can bring to the new year. Because so many people have had years of conditioning with doing resolutions, in which you referred to, Siobhan, embedded in which can be lots of, there's something wrong with me that I need to fix. So therefore, I will have this resolution and I will white knuckle my way through 21 days of something and then let it go and go back to my normal life. I think because so many people have that as the sort of sea in which they're swimming around the new year, I feel like there's a lot of people who they roll their eyes and are very much like, all this new year, new you stuff can seem a little bit off-putting if people don't have a process or a ritual that feels really nourishing to them. I've seen people who are like, listen, if you talk to me about a New Year's resolution, my new me for the future, I'm done. It seems a little bit like contrived. And also they've had experiences in the past where it didn't work well. So I think coming up with something that pushes you to see your progress and at the same time is different than what people have done in the past, I think is so important. Well, I think the key from what we're talking about, and this is why I love doing this series of interviews around the New Year's. It's because the theme, this same theme comes up in every single one of them. But I think the key difference, if anybody's listening and they have that like prickly feeling on their shoulders about New Year's type resolutions, is what we're talking about is not change from the place of I'm not good enough and I haven't achieved. And that's, I think, the problem with the traditional New Year's is it's like, let me look around and see all the areas of my life I feel like I haven't measured up in and then try to fix them all at once using methods that aren't actually kind to myself. And especially when we talk about weight and eating, it's like, okay, like what's the most restrictive diet I could find to start January 1st that takes away every food I've ever loved and depends heavily on willpower so that I can lose this weight that I think I should have lost two years ago as quickly as possible. And it's so unkind and it's not sustainable and it doesn't work and it creates more failure. But what we're talking about for everybody listening is looking and honoring how much work you've done, even if there's still things where you're like, you know what, I would still like to do more in this area. So if we're using the weight analogy, even if you look at it and you go, you know what, there's still weight I would like to lose. Maybe there's still a lot of weight you would like to lose. Coming at it from the point of how far you've actually come, even if your hero's journey has been perceived failure after perceived failure, 
there is still so much wisdom and so much growth that has happened in each of those. And when we honor it and we decide to grow from a place of, I've already come this far, what else do I want in my life? It's a very different experience. You know, this year I was reflecting with people and saying resolutions don't work and coaching does, right? It's Mm -hmm. a totally different paradigm. Resolutions do not work. We know that there's data. We've all tried them before. Coaching really does. There's randomized controlled trials in JAMA repeatedly about how coaching works. It is an effective intervention. Specifically for physicians. For physicians on physician quality of life and burnout and many other things, professional fulfillment, et cetera. But like if there were pills or injections that got the outcomes that coaching gets, we would be using them for sure. So like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The problem with resolutions, I think, is that the fuel and the emotions with which we take the action, the beliefs and the emotions that fuel the action are really what matters. And resolutions tend to come from a place of shame and guilt. And that's why they don't work is because the fuel in the tank, it's like diesel for an unleaded. You just don't want that in there, right? We don't want shame and guilt in charge of our lives. And so coaching comes to it from a place of love and self-compassion and understanding and meeting yourself right where you are. So that is a very different fuel to have in your tank, right? To be opening up the new year. And I was going to say also, the facts and circumstances change every year. They really do. You are not the same person as you were last year. All of your red blood cells have turned over. Your skin has largely turned over. (laughs) Your mind is not the same. We think that we are static beings. We can see our young children and see they're not the same every year, particularly if you have an infant or a one-year-old or two-year-old, three-year-old. But we too, as humans, as grown humans, are not the same as last year. And even facts and circumstances, like if we're talking about weight loss, there are things available that are incredibly effective right now that were not really largely available a year ago. And so if you use some of those things, say you're investigating or women physicians are starting to get curious about GLP-1, it's starting to get like, are these real? Can you really do this? Is this really available in my country, in my city? Does my PCP know it? The answer is yes, they're real and they work. (laughs) They're real, they work. They are effective and they're well tolerated. And then you'll be a weight that you want and you'll still have to work on your mind and your experience of this life because it's just like becoming an attending. You think you're going to be happy when you get there and you're like, oh, damn, this still kind of sucks. (laughs) And so we want people to be the weight they want in the body that they love. And we want them to have a mind and experience of this life that they love. But so just offering up that circumstances are always different. You can tell yourself that they're different. You can tell yourself, I'm going to get all the support I want and need. And that can include coaching and perhaps medication and perhaps a supportive community and perhaps all these things. But like, how do I set myself up from success in a way that isn't resolution-based? Because it's not shame and fear and guilt-based. It's in love and kindness and compassion of this one and only human life. It's a very different experience. And I even listened back to my own podcast when I very first started coaching. And I talked about the difference between my resolutions (laughs) that I didn't even remember I had made until I just listened back to it. It's a 2018 episode. And I talked about in 2017, pre-coaching, my resolutions were lose 20 pounds, like every woman on the planet. (laughs) I've obviously been enculturated, right? Stop drinking Diet Coke for aforesaid reason. I thought maybe that the insulin I had learned about, maybe the obesity code or something. 
and take time off work. The thing is, I got in a bad bike accident that year. So I got all those things. I lost a shit ton of weight because I couldn't eat. My face was all smashed in. My teeth were all messed up. My face is full of metal, right? Be careful what you wish for. I stopped eating and drinking. So I stopped drinking Diet Coke and I got a whole bunch of time off work, right? So be careful what you wish for. And those were all shame-based. I'm overworking. I'm too heavy. And the next year, I decided to do things differently. And then I just started setting some kind of intention for the year. And so I did possibilities. And the next year I did transformation. The next year I did magic. And this past year I did life. Little did I know how much those things would come true. So just the difference, right? You can see the pre-coaching. I need to lose weight and stop working so much and stop ingesting something in my body. Those were my legit real resolutions. And now it's like, how can I love myself more and see that the rest of this life is still yet to come? That's awesome. Coming back to like what you were talking earlier, Christy, about the using concrete things, I really like because often we try and do this just in our heads and our memory gets distorted. Our memory is biased. And in general, if you're not really practiced at self-compassion, our memory is absolutely biased to the negative when we look back. And so my New Year's ritual that I've done since before I found coaching, and I did it starting from the place of I need to lose weight, I have to figure out how to lose weight, was I wrote in Evernote kind of a look back on the year and a goal setting for the next year. So I've got easily readable and findable notes about it, which is really interesting. And like hearing you, Sunny, like being able to look back and kind of see what yours were. I think it really is helpful to have that concreteness. So anybody listening, I'm not saying you should have been journaling. Do not interpret it as that. But what I'm saying is that maybe now's the time to start putting it down in a concrete manner where you can look back. Like if it's difficult for you to see your own growth in your mind, maybe that would be a really good quote unquote resolution or ritual to create is writing things down so that you can look back in the future and see how much you've changed as an individual. What you just said, Siobhan, is so good just to point out that if you do it all in your mind, especially most of your listeners are super, super adept at synthesizing mass amounts of information and doing lots of things in their head really, 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 really quickly. And so sometimes it can seem like a huge drag to have something external. Like you want me to actually write on a sheet of paper or in Evernote or like record a note that could seem a little silly, but it's actually really profound because it does help eliminate some of that bias that comes into play when it comes to looking back. And it also gets things outside of us so we can have a little bit of that distance. So that's so great. And I love, Sunny, that you started yours off pointing out that the intervention of coaching is just effective. Yes, a lot of the interventions that we talk about here are things that you can self-administer, which is so gorgeous. But many times, it is so much more effective and efficient to do it with someone else, either in community or with a personal coach. It's just so much more effective. It's just faster. It's easier to get that outside point of view. What I was going to say was, as we were talking about the things we were doing with our clients and ourselves with like looking back and looking for growth and looking for the progress and the wins, it occurred to me that there may be people listening who they hear that intellectually, they totally get it. They're like, yeah, I'm going to look back to my progress. And yet when they sit down to do that, they find that it's really hard because they have the habit of dismissing and minimizing and saying, well, those achievements were a fluke. Anybody else could have done them. It's not really as good as so-and-so. They look back on this bleak, abysmal thing and they're like, hero's journey my ass. There's nothing good here. And that state, when you look back and that's all you see, brings you're in a state of either guilt, shame, insufficiency, something. 
And then your look forward for your growth ahead comes, like Sunny said, from a place of, I need to fix something. I need to fill in the gaps. I need to do something to better me at my core. So anyways, I just wanted to like make that explicit that if somebody listens to this and they're like, man, I really do struggle to find the growth and to find the positives, that's totally normal because that may be a habit that has really served you well for a while, but it's just good to know that it's there. So if somebody's struggling, looking back for the growth, you can get help with that by like knowing that that's your struggle and sometimes just doing that with your coach because your coach can quickly rattle off all the things that he or she knows that you have grown in that you don't even think of because you're just so immersed in your own experience, you can't see it. Absolutely. I would just add to like, that's so important that if we can't see growth and if we can't see that we're doing okay, right? Just like I talked about GLP-1s, there might actually be a biochemical, real or genetic or predisposition or some reason. Absolutely. This is very, very, very real. And by the time a woman physician comes to be seen for her mental health, it's usually way later than it could be, right? Or that a normal person would. And so if around the new year, people are not feeling any sense of hope or agency, hopelessness is a very significant and important indicator. And so I would highly recommend people take a PHQ-9, which is, I know you're in Canada, Siobhan, but I don't know your recommended guidelines there, but I was going to refer to the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force. It's just like a pap smear and just like a mammogram. It is a recommended screening. I know it is there too. I just don't know what your guidelines are, (laughs) how often and who and all those things, but it really is a recommended screening. And so every single human is supposed to get them, particularly if you're feeling hopeless you can self-administer this new year and just see how you're doing. And you can even track it, as Christy was saying, over time. And if that kind of mood issue isn't your most significant mood issue, but anxiety is, of course, you can take the GAD7. I really think that we underutilize these things. We use the scale all the time. And like, what if we stepped on the scale and then we were like, you know, let's just take this other objective assessment. It's a self-assessment. So of course we are biased, but that's the point is it's our experience. And what is more important of our experience of this life, our gravitational pull on the planet or how our brain is filtering every single thing in the world? I think it's an important and overlooked thing. Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point, especially for physicians who are burnt out or who are experiencing depression. It can just feel like this is just the way it is to be a doctor. I know you've been there, Sunny, and I've definitely been in that space in my brain where it just feels like there's not agency to change it. And I think really, we've talked about how powerful coaching is. But if you are experiencing that, go see your primary care provider and talk to them about it. Like it's not, if you feel there's actually a mood disorder, don't try to just fix it on your own, get help. Oh, amen. Amen. I was going to say just with the resolutions, I think there's helpful resolutions. I think there's can be resolutions where you're like, I'm going to do things differently. And they can be very positive and transformative. And then there's like the rant rant ones that we don't really want to do because they shame us and make us feel guilty. But what if your resolution for the year was, I'm going to actively look for the ways I'm succeeding. I'm going to honor my accomplishments. That would be an amazing resolution. Like if it's difficult for you to see what happened in the past year and where you created accomplishments and where you have grown, then maybe this year would be the year to be like every week or even every day. I have a custom planner for the people in my program. And, you know, there's questions in it every day of like, what is going well? What are you proud of? Just to constantly keep your mind moving in that direction. 
Yeah. In the gap in the gain book that I mentioned at the beginning, it particularly has this exercise that I love that is like list three things that you won at today. You're supposed to do at the beginning of the day. This might be excessive for some, but like the concept applies. Three wins you're going to have for the day. You plan them ahead of time. Like, oh, I'm going to record this podcast, for instance, for you, or I'm going to spend time with my family. And then at the end of the day, even if you didn't do those things, you record three wins that you had for the day, because that way you're always winning is the concept. You are teaching your brain that you are always winning. What I do actually as a routine with my kid, a lot of nights he doesn't want to participate, but I invite him into this. He has to consent, of course, to this activity, but this is what you get by having a coach as a mom, right? Is that I'm like, let's do best, worst, weirdest tonight. And so last night, you know, we did best, worst, weirdest, and it's so precious and cute. We like to do it as a family. It's not trite per se, you really get to know what's going on in the other humans in your life and your household's mind and experience of this world. Even if you spent the whole day together, your perception of the best, the worst, and the weirdest is very different and very fascinating and very fun. And so not that you have to put the worst in there, but it opens an opportunity that like it's normal to have good and bad. We're not sugarcoating it, right? It's like life has all of these things, including the weird ones. <laughs> I love that. I totally love that too. I love that you pointed out that you can be with the other humans going through the same set of circumstances and everyone's perception is so different. And I think that highlights the fact that when we are looking back at our life, our perception, our perception is what matters for us in that moment. But it's not the only way. It's not the only option for looking at things as evidenced by the fact that at the end of the day with your kid and your partner, you're going to hear different best, worst, weirdest. I'm contemplating, I'm like, oh, I should totally do that with the kids. I think adding in the weirdness gets a kid buy-in better. It does. It totally <laughs> does. And it's so cute, all the things that are so important. My little one is nine. And so yesterday, like, I had no idea. It's like, there's all these fascinating things in the world. He bought a lava lamp. Did you know you have to plug in a lava lamp for an hour before the lava starts lavaing? I had no idea. And did you know that your house has to be above 68 degrees for the lava to ever become lava? Otherwise, it's just wax. And so anyway, I didn't know wax was inside a lava lamp. <laughs> I didn't know either. So anyway, just that type of thing is the type of thing a child might bring up, but they also will bring up things like my husband threw out his back and so he can't barely move. And so we talk about how like all of us will be patients. We all take our turns. Every human takes their turns and everyone in my family has taken their turn. And so I was like, the best thing today for me was that daddy got up and walked by himself. Because I'm waiting on him, you know, for all the things he needs. So the best thing for everyone, I think, is that one of our family members is up and moving again. And that was definitely not my child's best thing for the day. He could care less. There's <laughs> an assumption as a child yes. that daddy will yeah. As we wrap up, is there anything else that you guys feel we haven't touched on or that you would want to share about transitioning into 2023? It's crazy to think it's 2023. I almost want to just re-emphasize what Sunny said earlier about being really cognizant of the emotional state that you're in if you're going to do some formal look back and look ahead. And even if you're not going to do a formal look back, look ahead, it can kind of be this inflection point to do a check-in just to be like, how am I? Do I have parts of me that are carrying shame? Do I have parts of me that are carrying guilt? Do I have parts of me that are carrying optimism? What's sort of the status of my entire lived experience, my entire system, as I'm going into this next chapter, whichever new year calendar you use for you? I think just being on purpose aware 
of how you're feeling so that you can go, oh, I really do recognize that this is a much more intense or much more chronic state and I do need to talk to my PCP. Or I do notice that I don't need to talk to my PCP, but you know what? There's consistent anxiety here and there's something there to explore. Oh, I wonder what's causing this. I think just being really on purpose looking at your emotional state, whether you do resolutions or you do a look back or you look at your hero's journey or you do nothing. I think that's what I would want your listeners to take from this is the importance of checking in and knowing where you are. Absolutely. Sunny, how about you? I would say the more and more that I talk to women physicians, the more and more obvious and blatant and even appalling or startling this sort of brainwashing and culturation indoctrination we have all been through to sacrifice ourselves for others. Like people brought my attention to this movie documentary, The Vow, about this cult indoctrination. So I went and watched it. I literally don't even watch TV. I didn't even know how to watch my own TV anymore. I had to get my nine-year-old to help me. (laughs) That's an extreme situation, obviously. But I think what we don't realize as physicians, because it's the water in which we swim, as Christy was saying earlier, you really do not realize that the water in which we swim is so different than the water in which most humans, we share a lot of human experiences, right? But the idea that you cannot sleep, like you literally started this podcast before we started recording being like, yeah, I didn't sleep at all. And I didn't shower. That's not a thing. For okay, do we need to publicize humans. my lack of showering? <laughs> but when we're on call, I showered this morning, everybody. Yes, it's better. I know you it's did. <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying, like, the more and more I get on rant, there's only three doctors here. And one of us didn't sleep within the last 48 hours all night long. This is normal for doctors. We're like, yeah, yeah. Could you imagine being in any other profession and having three women get together and one of them being like, I was up for 48 hours and then being like, yeah. It would be so extreme. It would be like, I just had a newborn baby. Like it's a very, very, very rare time in a normal human lifespan over the course of centuries or millennia for these types of things that women physicians put themselves or all physicians put themselves through all the time. And so just to be aware how two standard deviations outside the norm, the enculturation, indoctrination, self-sacrifice, put yourself for others. You go last. Your needs don't matter. You're hungry. Suck it up. You got to pee. Hold it. You're having a miscarriage. You're having a migraine. You're vomiting. People go with IV poles, mostly pre-COVID, but the things that we do. And so I think just having that awareness can really bring out so much more self-compassion that we didn't do this to ourselves. We were offered this set of beliefs and There's social learning theory where there's like apprenticeships and mentorships. And the more we continue to perpetuate this, the more it passes down generation to generation. And I think it's really the task of our generation, I would say, as women physicians, as individuals within this collective that make up the culture for ourselves and others to be like, not on my watch. I matter. My life matters. My kids' life matter. My spouse's life matter. We've been taught that it doesn't so much and it does. So now's the time, I think, to really make that change. And so that's why when I first discovered coaching, I just allowed myself that possibilities as my first word for the new year. Like, I don't know what's to come, but it's possible things could be different. And now they're so, so different. I would never do some of the things I used to do. They're inhumane, right? They're literally not acknowledging our humanity. And 
we are humans, <laughs> despite what the system would like to believe. <laughs> we are. I was actually just thinking about this, the cultural stuff, because I'd been off obstetrics call for close to a year. The year prior, my New Year's kind of decision was, I'm no longer going to work post-call and see elective stuff. You know, if there's stuff in the office or people that are really sick and really need me to see them, I will absolutely see them. But if it's just like blood pressure refills, it makes no sense to me to show up and sacrifice my basic human need of sleep just to make sure those blood pressure refills get done on that particular day when they can easily be done tomorrow when I actually sleep. That was like my mindset shift, which was huge for any of you guys listening. It was like, wait, I actually don't think I need to work post-call because we are taught you do call and you work and you show up and there's still patients that need to be seen. But I started to question, what am I actually seeing those patients for? And so yesterday morning when I hadn't slept and I had an office, I was just noticing because there was definitely the conversation in my head of, I can't cancel this office. And the conversation was because I'm the only person in the office this week. There's nobody else to see these people. I can't cancel it. And I worked in my office. I saw a lot of patients and it's fine, but it just shows you how deep that cultural thinking is embedded in us. Mm -hmm. And I was just noticing it and kind of, I didn't change what I did, but I did notice that there was these thoughts that were driving. And I realized, you know, I probably could cancel this office in the world wouldn't end or see just the really urgent things that I needed to follow up on and everybody would be okay, but I chose to continue. And I think when we notice that, that cultural conditioning, it then gives us a place to decide what we want to change from. Because there are a lot of things I love about medicine, and it's why I still choose to practice medicine, is because there's amazing things we get to do as physicians. But there are definitely pieces of the system that have taught us to do it in a way that doesn't honor us. And what I want to create in my life is amazing medical practice, amazing care for my patients, but also amazing me and amazing my one life and the people that I touch with it. And that's, I think, the biggest shift that coaching brings to me. And I think, again, if we're thinking in the context of New Year's, that could be a really good thing for you to think about over the New Year's is like, where do I want to allow this conditioning to still occur in my life? Where do I want to question it? Where do I want to start to change it? Yeah, I think the awareness is key. And then just being on to yourself. You're like, oh, like you just said, you're like, oh, this runs deep. Even though I actively chose not to do this, when the same circumstance presented itself in my life, instead of me saying, you know, it's been 24 hours, I'm going to go to bed. We see the old habit, but it's the awareness. Oh, look what my brain offers. That's fascinating. And then the choice, recognizing every moment we have agency. Every moment, no matter what our work says or our patient says or our expectations are, every moment we stay, we have a choice. And so even just the perception of choice improves well-being, right? Because if you're like, I could choose to leave and I could choose to reschedule these people and I could choose to stay, I'm choosing to stay, right? Like whether it's your marriage or whether it's your work or whether I'm choosing to stay for right now, for today, right? And then hope, we talked about hopelessness. Hope has that agency, that sense of self-efficacy, and also this sort of pathways thinking, which is there are many different ways to get there because I have agency, I have choice, and there will be many different pathways. So I think that's such, such a good example that you had, right? This awareness, the choice, and not shaming yourself for any choice you make. You can make any choice in any moment for any reason. We don't ever have to shame ourselves. There I go again, right? It's like, oh, I'm aware and I make this choice and I make it on purpose and I'll do it again next time. Thank you so much for bringing up the awareness piece. The thing that just occurred to me was thinking that 
there may be people listening who they get intellectually the indoctrination that we've all received becoming physicians. But when you're very deeply entrenched with all of the partners you work with that maybe you really love and you have that messaging around you all the time, I think sometimes when we take a step back, that meta-awareness that, oh, I am two standard deviations away. I think just knowing that can really help you even see the things that you have learned that are really unique to that world of medicine. Because I think sometimes people hear us say, oh gosh, how inhumane to not sleep. But you might not realize all the other things Mm -hmm. that have become so normalized that you could actually question. So I think just being like, oh, I might not even be noticing. And so I think a great question to ask yourself is, if somebody in a different profession came and told me that they did these things, what would other people's response be? And if the response is like, you did what? That's crazy. That might be something to question. That is one of those things that we think of as just kind of a normal part of the job, but maybe isn't or doesn't have to be. What I get when I'm talking to other physicians about creating change or like pushing back against the things we don't like in our day and how things are run. And I absolutely remember talking about this with my first coach back when we were doing weeks of obstetric call at a time and my kids were super little and like I was just totally burnt out and talking to him about it and saying, well, I don't have a choice. Like this is just how the obstetrics call is. This is just how our practice runs. And he's like, but what if the other people are thinking the same thing? Because of the culture, we're like, if I rock the boat, I may be viewed as a weak or non-committed physician or some version of that. But what if the people on the boat with you want also for the boat to be rocked and are too afraid to take the steps? And I've found, so I've created a lot of change in how our practice runs by starting to question it from that original conversation I had like way, way back with that coach of like, yeah, maybe my practice partners also are really tired and also find doing a week of call at a time is exhausting. And so over the years, how we've approached call and how we've managed our summer holidays and all different things in our practice have shifted a lot and continue to evolve because we have the conversation, because we've stopped just accepting that this has to be, we've done more of problem solving approach of like, okay, what is it that we all want? Okay, we all want a little more time off in the summer. Now, how are we going to create that? And how are we going to do it while the practice is still cared for? Or do we want to have shorter stretches of sleep deprivation? Okay, how are we going to create that? How can we rearrange things? And so if you're sitting listening and there's things you really want to change and how work happens and you feel that pressure, that culture, you speaking up may be really, really helpful for other people who work with you and may actually start creating a chain of change that is really positive for what you want to create. And it kind of comes back to Sunny, your original thing of like, maybe this is a really great time for us to stand up and say, you know what? We love being physicians, but there are aspects of this that aren't working. And let's problem solve and create a system that does work for the people that are working in it. Amen. I mean, every single one of us is a change agent and people are more open to this conversation now than ever. 63% of physicians are burned out, which is higher than ever before. Even the trajectory at which it's getting worse is higher than ever before and faster than ever before. And over 100,000 physicians left medicine recently out of the million physicians that there had been. So if we don't make it better, the number of people that are leaving is ridiculous. It's going to be a public health crisis and not to mention the mental health crisis that we're having. But people are starting to say that like medicine is going to be like the Southwest Airlines, right? Where it's like, it's fine. We're all keeping it together until one moment it's all going to fall apart. So like, how do we as change agents and advocates for ourselves 
and our practices and our patients. Say you're in with 10 people. I've had women physicians like this where like three partners really don't want the change to happen, but the others do. And it's like, yeah, that's going to be that way. And that's okay. And you can still be a change agent, speak your voice. And maybe everything isn't the same for everyone. Maybe there are people who want different things. Maybe not every job is cookie cutter and all 10 partners get the same exact job, especially over seasons of life, et cetera. So we'll just start with what if, like what if things were a little more flexible than we had originally been told? And what if now this great resignation, great realignment, great repurposing is the opportunity? What if this is the opportunity of a lifetime? I just think it is. I love it. There's so much possibility Mm -hmm. of what it could be when we start just kind of thinking like, what is it that I want to create? And we start empowering ourselves that I actually can create change, even in these areas of my life that I assumed were unchangeable and always had to be that way. And that change can then ripple out and create more change. Love it. Where can people find you if they want to hear more about you? Sunny goes first and then Christy. I am Empowering Women Physicians. And so that is the name of our podcast. People listening here must be podcast listeners so they can scoot on over (laughs) and find me there. I also have a Facebook group of the same name, which I love to hang out in, as you guys know, every day and type really long things and answer a lot of questions. And then, of course, we have like coaching guides on our website and things like that and book lists at the empoweringwomenphysicians.com. Awesome. Christy? Similarly, I like to keep it simple. And so my podcast is Habits on Purpose. My website is habitsonpurpose.com. And I have a Facebook group just for physicians called Better Habits Physicians Group. And then a general Facebook group called Habits on Purpose that anybody who wants to be more intentional and deliberate about the things that they habitually do or feel or think can check out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for taking time out in your early morning, setting the alarm to come join me. But this, I think, was a very powerful conversation. I said this after the last one I recorded for the listeners, but again, I would listen to this again, listen to this episode more than once. There's things here that are going to kind of hit you the first time. And then when you listen to it again, there's going to be other things that kind of hit you at a different level. Some of the stuff I think we've talked about, it would be really easy to be like, okay, yeah, 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 I know that. But we're talking about very profound, very life-changing thought shifts as physicians. So listen to this more than once. There's so much goodness in this one. Thank you both. It was so fun. Yeah, super fun. Thank (laughs) you. All right. So much important stuff in that. And as I said at the end of the recording, I really would listen to this one again. I think there's a lot of things we talked about that again, because we all come from it, from that culture of medicine, You may not realize how much it impacts you until you listen to it a couple times. So consider listening to this again. There is a lot of literally life-changing wisdom that was talked about from Sunny and Christy in that episode. If you're listening to these episodes and you're like, I really want change for myself, but I don't know how to create it. And if part of that change is you want to feel more peace with food, you don't always want to feel like you're on a diet but you want to reach some weight loss goals or some health goals, then I can help. And the best way for you to get help from me right now is that you apply to work with me through my Thrive Academy website, which is thrivephysicians.ca. Thrive Academy is my physician-only group that I offer where we coach on eating and weight, but really about creating a way of doing it where you never need another diet. Because You've created a custom approach to your own eating and weight that actually feels good. 
Similarly to what I was talking about with the podcast episode, the interview is when I say that there may be this piece of you where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it feels good. But also that diet culture mentality is probably going to still come in. But no, really, we do it where it feels good. I am a huge believer, if you've been listening to this podcast, is don't do shit you don't want to do. Don't do things you hate just to lose weight. It's not kind. You're worth more than that. But there are ways of approaching eating a weight where you can do it in a way that you really enjoy. And that's what I teach inside Thrive Academy. So head over to thrivephysicians.ca, fill out an application to work with me, and then you'll hear directly from me. And we can chat without any pressure about what your needs are. And I'll let you know if I think I can help. All right. Have a fantastic day, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.